Good luck. <laughs> oh, we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe. Uh, this month we have Book Club. And as you know, this is your safe place to talk about anything strange, paranormal, UFO. But today we're talking about books. We have our beautiful logo up. Thank you, Olaf. Um, and You're I still owe him. Yeah, I still have him a reading for that. So today we're talking about Above Top Secret, Timothy Good. And as you guys probably know, if you follow me, my voice is being wild. So I'm actually just going to kind of like prompt the gentleman and then they can like run their mouths. It'll be awesome. So today we have Vinny, Graham, Olaf, Nathan, and Jay joining us. Maybe Sean. He likes to pop in and show glamour shots of Jay and basically make fun of everybody like the last 15 minutes and then just leave. So we love him. Oh, Nathan's waiting for him. He's a little jealous. He's like, where's my centerfold? <laughs> All right, guys. So let's get started. Uh, wait, actually, I'm lying. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Thank you to everybody listening now, later in another dimension. Oh, Sean. He came just to, hey. just to honor us with glamour shots today. Hey, buddy. Hi. So, Great to see you. I'm here. He made uh, it. Sorry, I'm late. No worries. Well, thank you to anybody listening now, later, Anomalous Podcast, YouTube, and all that good stuff. All these people are in the description to follow and support. And we will get started. Guys, let's just go over our first impressions of Above Top Secret. Um, what are your thoughts like about the whole book? And just feel free to talk. You know, Carrie, you can ask each other questions. Like I said, I'm, I don't want to start coughing, so go for it. So we could start with Vinny, I guess. Sure. So it's a big book. Um, I felt there was a lot <laughs> packed in there. Um, I, find me, I find myself reading about cases and wanting to know more about those cases. So I feel like this could have been two or three books, and then they could have possibly expanded on some of the cases in there a little bit more because some of them are quite brief. Um, and it, I felt like it was a little bit of overload at, at times, um, like just the way you're moving from case to case before you're processing that case that you've just read. It was all a bit like, Oof, this is going, you know, a lot in. And yeah, but it was good. It was good. There's so much detail in there as far as there's a lot of government stuff. There's a lot from different countries. So it's just like, yeah, a lot of information to take on board. Yeah, it's um, it's like a who's who of ufology in some respects. I mean, the, you know, there's name dropping all over the place. You've got Whitley Stryber, you have, um, you have Stanton Freeman, you've got Jack Vallee. They're all quoted at different times, and a whole lot of other people. Um, when the book came out in was it '87? It yeah. um, it was a it was a bit of a sensation in, in the UK. I remember listening to a late night uh, a Radio Five uh, as it was or a Five you know, Live. Um, on the radio, uh, an interview with him with uh, with Nicky Campbell, where he was one of the uh, quite a famous um, sort of disc jockey or DJ or presenter back then. And it was one of these late night programs, but a lot of people stayed up to listen to it because there was a lot of preamble for the show um, and there was a lot of trailers for it. And people were really, really stoked up to listen to this. And he just kept, and, and Tim Good, when he came on, just kept dropping all these little things that were in the book. And, and Nicky Campbell just couldn't react quick enough. I remember this kind of incredulous kind of tone in his voice. But then people went out and bought the book straight away and it became a bestseller. And for ufology, that was quite a revelation because, yeah, books were popular back in the, in the 70s and 80s, but nobody had seen a book like this. Now, it has faults, as Vinny has just mentioned. It's long. It's, the cases are brief. You, know, you do feel like it could have been a shorter book with less information in it, but concentrating more on 
digging out things from the individual cases that he covers. But if somebody wants an all-round kind of um, look at what ufology is like from the mid-40s right through to when it was written, then, you know, this is a good start. It'll whet your appetite for, you know, to look deeper into the cases, to find other sources of information. But I say, if you want an overview of, you know, the UFO uh, phenomenon from about 1943, uh, 1942, when it sort of kicks off, it has a little bit before that, but really 1942 with the Battle of Los Angeles, and then it goes right through to, to the mid 80s, then really, you know, you can't do much worse than this. Am I next? Yeah. Is that, is that what, all right, cool. So, yeah, I, I appreciate everything that's been said so far. You know, um, as as I kind of mentioned earlier um, on, on the old Twitter, uh, you know, Timothy Good is really underknown within and under talked about within the field in terms of online discourse these days. And I think it's important to just kind of mention and underline that this he was an incredibly important figure for kind of like establishing in some ways a baseline for the cases that we talk about these days um you know when we talk about the kind of mainstream accepted or widely accepted um baseline or center point within online ufology in a lot of ways we're kind of talking about the world that timothy good um wrote about and the cases that he addressed. Um, in some ways, you could say that, you know, you could make a case for maybe five or six people that around that time and before that really kind of established a lot of the case history that we still talk about these days. You know, we're talking about Donald Kehoe, we're talking about Cora Lorenzen, we're talking about Timothy Good. You know, often we talk about Jacques Vallée, and there's a lot of, you know, who's a very wily, um, hard to pin down person, you know, and and in a lot of ways, Timothy Good was really kind of like establishing a spine um, with which a lot of people reference. So, you know, the book itself, sure, it's brief in some of the cases, but it's also kind of establishing. Um, and it was kind of like the establishment spine of ufology for a while. I remember when I was working uh, under Richard Dolan, you know, um, on his site and helping him with his last book, you know, his, the, one of the big secrets is that not so big secrets is that Dolan really, really idolized Timothy Good. You know what I mean? And he kind of patterned his a lot of his writing and a lot of his career off of off of Timothy Good and trying to kind of like flesh out a lot of of what he talked about. And in that way, you know, I still think that this book compares favorably against UFOs in the National Security State, which is, of course, Dolan's biggest series of books, in that we're moving around, um, you know, there's Portuguese cases and here, there's there's different European cases, there's a bunch of UK cases. And so, in a, in a way, this has more variety than, than UFOs in the National Security State, which has often been kind of one of the commonly cited, like, well, that's that's it, that's the book that you look at. And uh, from some wings of ufology, um, so I'll stop there. But like, I'm just saying, like, you know, I think that if if someone were to to come into the field and were to pick up ten books to just figure out like where where has this conversation been happening? What has this conversation been? And kind of compare it to where we are today with with Lou Alessandro and what's what's on the cover of the New York Times or whatever. Um, you could do a lot worse than start around the time of Above Top Secret. 
I completely agree. It's a uh, it's a big book. It's got a blue cover. It's got red lettering on the cover. Uh, it has white lettering on the cover. Uh, it's written by Timothy Good. It's very good. Uh, actually, I've read about about half the book, um, and I haven't read it in in order. I think the book actually can be read in like slices. Uh, the the table of contents is really readily accessible, and so I went into sort of areas in the book that for me at least were really interesting that I didn't know as much about. I, I agree with what everyone has said about it. Um, it's in a way, it's almost like it's um, it's like a, a very rich sort of citation. Like if you were trying to give someone, uh, like, you know, typically when someone's putting together a, a research paper, they've got their citations at the end uh, that kind of backs up and buttresses the arguments that they're making. That That's really what this book is. It's this sort of rich, sort of, uh, you know, re reference manual where you can kind of go and see what's been going on in this topic uh, for a few decades uh, up to the late 80s. And and I think, you know, the other thing that this book, you know, here we are in 2022, um, it's, we're still talking about some of this stuff. Like it just, like, I think that for me, that's the frustration, right? You know, you, you, uh, you talk to folks who are kind of outside of our bubble and the response often is, well, I don't know if there's that much evidence there. I don't know if there's, you know, if I really believe it, you know, it would really be great if we had some reputable uh, eyewitnesses or sources. And just like the work that Sean does, uh, this book says, oh, you want that kind of stuff? Like, here you go. And, and also the work that, that Graham's doing, you know, here you go. Here's a bunch of it. Uh, and you can jump to one of these different anecdotes and and then go and learn more about that if you wish. You know, I was particularly interested in the China component of the book um, because it's an area that I just know so very little about and want to know more about. I feel like we are often having this conversation just in our Western little uh, context. Um, and so I think it was really interesting for me just to, you know, get some of the stories out of China that I just, I really wasn't familiar with. And, and to see the commonality and the similarity uh, from stories that, you know, we are all familiar with was just really eye-opening. Um, at the same time, you know, some, some of the anecdotes that are shared uh, are reminiscent of, uh, you know, probably much more prosaic explanations. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a few anecdotes about, you know, spiral phenomenon in the sky, and we all are much more familiar with that now with rocket reentry and, you know, kind of the way that gases and things kind of uh, ignite in the atmosphere. So, you know, knowing all of the stuff that was going on within kind of the space and, and space defense and air defense at the, in, in those decades, I think some of those sightings were, you know, pretty much very prosaic. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would recommend it. I agree. It, you know, if I were to give folks like a jumping off point where to, you know, pick up a few books and just really dive in, this is definitely a good place to start. I would love to have seen it, though, be broken into almost like volumes. I think that would have been really neat. And then have those volumes be continuous. Um, you know, so what I would like to know at some point, and, you know, Graham, might, you might be a good resource for this, but maybe uh, it's a project worth kind of putting together. If we were to look at ufology over the decades, you know, what would be the books that we would say are kind of the, the good seminal works of, uh, of cases, you know, the, the nuts and bolts types of cases for this period of time, this period of time uh, up to the present, and then just kind of make that a recommended reading list. To me, this seems like it would be, you know, just right at home in that in that list. 
Yeah, there are certain books you write written days that do cover certain periods in history. There's a Lang Stringfield book, um, which uh, is a situation read is at the um, the UFO siege. I believe that covers the 1960s or part of that time. So, and that as is for a specific period of time. There are other books off the top of my head. I can't remember some of the titles now, but they, they do cover specific periods, which the, you could then build into a library, which would do the same job as this, albeit in much expanded form. But at least you'd be able to like divide it into chunks. Um, yeah, you're, you're right about China. Russia is another one that's covered in there. And Russia back in those days, because this is back in the day before the Soviet Union fell, the, you know, the information that was coming out there wasn't that well known. You had to subscribe to the likes of Flying Saucer Review and other niche publications in order to get that information at that time. There were certain UFO magazines around which were on the newsstands. Uh, certainly UFO magazine in the UK was around about then, but it didn't have that much information that was reliable. So, you know, this was a this was kind of setting a, a, as a yardstick, um, you know, as, as Jay says, like a spine that, you know, that actually defined a kind of parameters. Look, this is the kind of thing we should be doing. This is the kind of information we should be having, the level it is, and backed up with the citations, the footnotes at the back, of the, or the end notes at the back of the book. There's 25 pages of, of, of end notes and i actually appreciate that because you know that's the kind of thing i would go and look at those sources myself to make sure that you know that information was kosher um so you know where he gets it from and it usually the where you get that information from is actually much more expanded anyway so you can see what context it lies in uh, you know it's not just being pulled out it's not being cherry-picked to try and suit a narrative that's always important as well so all those things are really important in, in you know in this book and he did sort of set uh, an example that i tried to follow when i wrote the Foo fighters book in terms of you know attributing sources and making sure the word out of context etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's really important but the russian thing that was a good source of information for me for somewhere i didn't really know much about i had a, i'd read a book from the library about ufos behind the iron curtain but it was one of those books that was written fairly early on in the 1970s i believe um which was a bit kind of patchy because some of the information coming out of russia just you know either it was very very brief or it wasn't entirely reliable so yeah i agree with that i like having all the documents in the back in the appendix because not a lot of books have that especially um ones written around this time and not a, i feel like not a lot of books written around this time um cover like the whole world it's kind of about like you know segmented but katie has a comment for nathan saying <laughs> thank you jay he's my uh what is that like the i, I model i'm your van model. i'm your vanna white okay yeah, i almost said showgirl i'm like no that's not what i'm looking for um <laughs> kenny says so glad you mentioned our western lens nathan i would love to see a comprehensive ethnographic study of indigenous anomalous traditions so that would be very interesting um but i just wanted to highlight that one and i'll be starring your comments guys and questions so we can get to them all and sean it's your turn cool yeah i mean uh, you can definitely tell where uh, Graham gets his style and his inspiration. That's for sure. Uh, it's it's a great book. Uh, you know, when I read it, sometimes I, I felt like I was reading Graham Rendell, and I was happy. I had a smile on my face, so I appreciated that. Um, I do like the the documents in the back as well. There are a couple there that I didn't even know existed. So it's really interesting for me and, and my perspective as like when I went into this field. I bypassed the whole publication thing in the books and I just went straight into the documents and started finding things for myself. So what was really interesting to me was breaking open this book um, and starting to go through it and read it um, and seeing 
you know, a lot of the things that I found naturally in, in looking through these documents and stuff, but also if, you know, supplementing, you know, what I have learned with, with additional knowledge, because obviously this guy was doing it for a lot longer than, you know, I have been, <clears throat> it was a lot more comprehensive, but, you know, even little things like the, the NASA thing where it said they're, they're the head of, you know, for all UFO questions, which must have lasted like five minutes or something. I remember finding that document, you know, <laughs> and all that. So it was really neat. But then there's, you know, like a rundown by the Navy in, in the back and stuff. And, and um, you know, I didn't know that existed. So it was pretty cool. And then there were cases like of a, a jet disappearing when it was chasing a UFO and people disappearing, <laughs> you know, all stuff that. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, run into. So I thought the book was great and I really appreciated how, you know, he wasn't afraid to, um, you know, touch on, uh, the more, uh, sensitive aspects, whether it be contact or what the saucer looks like inside or out. Um, you know, I really appreciated that, uh, majestic 12 that he actually took that stuff on. And it also reminded me of Graham too, how he takes on how you know people say the the saucers are you know German or whatever. Like he'll take it on, but also just give you the facts behind it, and it is what it is, you know. And I appreciated that because you know whether some people like it or not, this stuff is a part of ufology. You know, it really is. And battling what's true and what isn't is really what this fight is a lot of the time. You know. Um, to because to just look clear at it with a with a clear perspective is uh, really a lot of times uh, the hardest part but it also should be the goal so and i see a lot of that in his work as i do in graham so i really enjoyed it uh like nathan i did not read it all the thing is huge um but i read a, a good amount of it um because it's interesting and i got the book on tape so um, I'll also be, you know, going through different chapters, uh, with that, because I, I feel like what I do, especially I can learn a lot and get a lot of clues that I can take with me to, you know, even find more stuff. So I think it's a great book, especially if somebody, it's huge, like Vinny said, and it could be made smaller. Um, but if somebody's going to come into the topic and they want, and they're really genuinely curious and genuinely interested I think it's a great, um, uh, what could you say? It's a good, like, initiation book. You know, read this book. If you're still interested, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you're not or it's too much or whatever, I, I think it's a good litmus test. So I think it's a great book, and it's a great uh, starter book for sure uh, that then allows you to go deeper into the different topics and insights to this. So. Sorry, yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> no, I need you guys to talk a lot today because okay. I um because my voice, but well, for breakfast, I agree. I had... Um <laughs> yeah, tell us about Sorry your evening and you know nothing. Sorry for dropping out. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Ever... We just add you right back in. So we haven't heard from you Perfect. about the book yet. First of all, everybody clap yeah. for Olaf because he made us a logo. Thank you. It's yeah, gorgeous. I, so what did you think about the book, Olaf? Did you finish uh, it this time? I don't think any... Who actually finished the book? I mean, I I think I finished <laughs> it. I, I, I've, uh, I actually had to go through it twice because I think I 
fell asleep a couple of times <laughs> because I listened I listened to it on on audiobook. Um, but uh, so I'm really thankful for that because I'm not sure if I could have gotten through it that easily um, if I had to read it. Um, so I mean, um, I. I had the. I, I think it was lots of things that piqued my interest, you know. Uh, so so, the the times where you actually put in some, um, if you really concentrated, you know, and and because it was really fast, lots of information, lots of acronyms, and it's kind of hard for me to 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 keep up, you know, and especially someone reading really fast also. So that was a bit of a minus maybe. But uh, like I like the, the way they talked about uh, the the transparent aspirin, or or like it was like uh, instantly thinking about like tic tacs and and the stuff like the, it was so many themes that just came back that that we see in media today and so. But um, so and obviously since I'm from Sweden, I I always enjoy hearing about the ghost rockets and, and the ghost flyers and and just diving a bit more into that and uh, uh, i think it's so interesting to see like um, because they t- he 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 took up some of the aspects about how media censorship and and like stuff stuff like that works into this field and how they really early on basically cemented the what what was to come like the narrative that that was to come uh, like the thing about uh, you had like the the reports in in Scandinavia, in Norway, and and Sweden and Finland about the ghost rockets, and 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 suddenly in the news they 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 got directions to to not say where it happened or if it crashed or exploded or stuff like that. So so I think we we got censored like obviously very early on, and uh, and it's it shows today as well because like ghost rockets like it's really cool it's like a swedish thing if, among other countries you know but many 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 people in sweden don't even know about it like the interest is really low even though it's growing a lot obviously but yeah so that, that's about and uh, that's what I felt about it. <laughs> I think that was pretty good, especially the the acronym piece is is interesting because when when I first uh, started like even reading documents or or whatever, uh, you know, you, if you're like me, you want to know what it means. But if you take the time to look up every one as it comes, like it it makes everything take that much longer for sure. You know? So uh, I don't know if anyone wants a tip, it's uh, you can pretty much just like, if you hear an acronym, just ignore it and and listen to the, (laughs) listen to the story. And if you're further interested, go back and figure out what it is. You know, like, I think those are more important. If you, if you want to take the story farther and find it for yourself, you know, Sean, the whole, the whole whole phenomenon is is an acronym. It's UFO, UAP. Yeah, the identified aerial phenomenon. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, UFO acronyms. Yeah, we need a cheat sheet, Sean, for people that don't want to yeah. do the, their own work. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. End, but there's so many. You know? There really is. I I have yeah. I know like when like when I started looking through documents, I'm like I don't know if I have like the the attention span for this because they're cool. 
But at the same time, I'm like, wait, what does that mean? You have to like look up everything because it has all these weird like phrases and terms in it. So yeah, I agree with that. I actually have one of those cheat sheets. I actually oh, did put one. To I put one together for Kurt Jai Mungle. Um, oh, I, got it, I got it somewhere. It probably needs a lot adding, adding to it. Yeah. Is it more for a, like a current cheat sheet? It'd be, um, it'd be interesting to add like all the way from the Army Air Force to, to yeah, now. I think, I think <laughs> if I put it over your way, Sean, it would certainly double in size. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that could be a good idea, though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. I think we should print it in a, as a book. Probably. <laughs> now that would be an audio book. Just, just hey, Dick. Yeah. Somebody well, said the audio book for this is pretty short. Um, is it Jason said? Yeah, the audio book was much shorter than the actual book. So yeah, it's kind of a it's kind oh, of a greatest hits of the, from the book okay. excerpt. Right. So yeah. it doesn't cover everything. It's just it's just read quicker as well, is it? Yeah, I think it felt like it I tried speeding it up at points, but you know, yeah, then I it was like I, I can't even understand it. So it felt <laughs> speed it up. But I mean maybe maybe it wasn't the full book. I I saw that it was lots of different versions as well. That I even sense. had I to wish I wouldn't have wasted my money. I didn't know that. Oh, our I, fan club came here, apparently. Oh, that's the, that's the night. Thank you. Hey, Akashi. So uh, I even had to register because I have Audible uh, in UK. And then I had to, because they don't even have the book uh, in stock. So so I had to get like a new Audible for for the uh, Americas to, yeah. to even get the book. So I, I'm not sure if it, if it's the full full version or... Graham should know. be sending you a check for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I already got a check. Okay, for the cover. <laughs> yeah, you've oh, been paid for the you've been paid for the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Beautiful. speaking of acronyms, uh, one that came up to me that really jumped off the page that we don't talk a lot about, but I feel like is a big player in the U.S. side is the NSA. Um, I mean, what are what are folks' thoughts on that organization well, and their dude. kind of role in this entire story? Dude, I can give you like 360, 70 pages of NSA UFO uh, observations. It's insane. I mean, I have a whole crap load of them. It's hilarious because there's maybe like five where they go further than what I'm about to say, which is they usually say, you know, light, light, it's all blacked out. And then probable balloon <laughs> every every time you know like okay. that was like that's just like a part of the script you know it's so frustrating of probably balloon probable balloon probable balloon right like they and have a list you can pick these three things insert it you know what i mean balloon and it's not even that it's just balloon it's mm -hmm. not even like at least blue book would say oh it could be a meteorite <laughs> or a bolide or whatever like no these guys just probable balloon and there's almost like 400 pages of them so you know that the nsa has some information on this stuff but i made the point on twitter like if you look at the foreign technology division documents and graham knows this like all of them advanced copies and everything were sent to everybody dia um not nsa i always say that but i get it screwed up with somebody else um but uh navy a lot of times got them fbi got them like all all these 
people get these reports and know about this stuff you know so you just have to look at the uh, the kind of the, the list of uh, agencies yeah. that these reports were actually copied to not just where they were actually intended to and, and it, the lists sometimes are vast um you know so yeah sean's right but uh, the nsa no such agency as it's yeah. nicknamed um <laughs> yeah something else it, that was in there it would be actually interesting to find out which agencies in america don't have ufo reports because there can't yeah. be many of them yeah NIN, I see. I have no idea what that is, but I keep seeing that a lot at the moment. NIN, yeah. And I keep thinking of Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> right? As you should. I don't think they were around <laughs> either, though. Then. Maybe yeah. <laughs> that Trent Reznor guy. Watch out! Are we all Nine Inch Nails here, guys? <laughs> There's uh, yeah. uh, the FTD was known as uh, AFNIN, so the only thing I can think of is maybe they shorthanded it or something. I don't know. Right. Well, one thing that really stood out to me in, uh, that I really paid attention to and read through a few times, being from the UK, was some of the stuff quite near the start. And it was to do with the connection between the media, the mainstream media, and the government and GCHQ, MI5, MI6. And, you know, there's a case I'm working on at the moment that involves the possibility of a D notice. So this is directly, you know, blocking something from coming out publicly through these kind of connections, these channels that connect the media to to the MOD and things like that. And that was that I found that really fascinating. And that led on to the fact that there had been conversations in the House of Commons for decades. Like the I've got it in front of me here, the 64, 66, 67, 68, all these big debates in the House of Commons, some in the House of Lords as well. And because it's so quiet right now here in the UK, that really stood out to me. I was like, why isn't this happening now? And yeah, it's frustrating, but but fascinating at the same time. Yeah, the, the media thing is the same here, too. Uh, there's the, this one set of documents I found were um, literally, I think it was, I forget the dude's name, but the Air Force uh, public office guy uh, for the UFO investigations was, was setting up something for uh, Quintilla to go to this um, this media thing where there were just newspapers, uh, Hector, uh, and James McDonald, and another guy and it was you could tell like the whole thing was even in the correspondence they said you know the media gets this wrong a lot so this is our chance to send somebody there and you know give our point of view and stuff and you can just tell like behind the scenes they were like because after that things seemingly did change like the stories and such because they were quite spectacular before then you know where the media would would love a a good you know alien ship story and then things just kind of, you know, changed where they would wait for the Air Force to say something and then produce that story. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Like, you, you know, the media is like, we're not stupid, right? I mean, come on. This is Project Mockingbird, all that stuff. Like the, the media is, you know, even the, the FOIA Navy documents, you know. Like there's media talking to the Navy people. The Navy people are trying to get their story straight, what they're going to tell the media. One of them's an information warfare agent. It's like, you know, all these people are up to stuff. You know, it's yeah, so frustrating. It said at one point that the BBC World Service, so, you know, the global version of the BBC, were getting direct channels to foreign intelligence as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and surely uh, that's going to go through agencies in the U.S. And the UFO thing is in there. I mean, that's just and that's just a 
a buddy system like we'll give you something if you report it in a certain way or if you don't put it out you know it's yeah so yeah lots of integrity involved yeah (laughs) (laughs) coming back to the book um no if you've looked at the next one that he wrote beyond top secret i'm not sure if anybody here has oh no not yet you will find that some of the, the, the paragraphs and some of the sections in here are lifted verbatim and reprinted. Ooh. Ooh. So <laughs> if you look at so beyond top secret, don't knock yourself out going to read it because not a huge amount, but there are sections in this which are effectively repeated word for word. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the hat for the next month. If there's gonna be if there's gonna be a, like a proper criticism of the book, that that would be my criticism. That you know, there oh are, yeah, let's lifted, give everybody's it's, like it's, it's lifted directly into the next book. So the next book is slightly padded out by you know he may I don't know whether he had enough information to actually do a proper one or whether it was there was a rush to get it out maybe by his publishers to get something out to follow it within a certain period of time and he just couldn't manage it for whatever reason. You know, may couldn't have done the research or do or do the verification, etc. But that there's a lot of it is repeated unfortunately. Mm. She just called it the rerun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking too much. Somebody else. Did. Yeah. As far as criticisms, I don't have like a, a big one to levy. I think um, it, it is for the modern reader. I think it is kind of a daunting book to pick up because we are now so accustomed to very digestible, you know, bites of information. Um, so you're going to find yourself like having to commit real time to this, uh, to this work. And, and that in, in a way too, like we're our, a lot of these stories we've already heard, um, but there's a lot that we haven't. So I think this really is part of the challenge in a way with this topic just generally. And I know, Sean, you've bumped into this uh, with the work that you, you do. There is so much material like there really is. Yet everyone that's getting is coming to this conversation right now. It's just like they're they're at the last two minutes of the of the exam period or whatever, and you know they think it's over. Um, so I think that that's you know it's it's not, I don't know that it. My, my criticism is it's too big, but on the other hand, it's sort of like we're in a different time now. So it's it's really kind of more too big for where we are. And there are probably other ways of getting this material that I would in, you know, be more prone to suggest to folks who want to get into it quick, you know, and get that kind of like quick fix of information. Once they're in, then you can say, yeah, hey, now that you're here, uh, there's a lot more stuff. Take a look at this. Take a look at these other, you know, deeper dive documents and books. Um so it, I don't know, maybe it's it, it, in a way it's a, it's an okay introductory book. On the other hand, I would probably be more like, Hey, if you're just getting started, like pick up in plain sight or pick up, uh, what is it? Uh, UFOs, uh, pilots, the, the Leslie Kane one, the, the, yeah. the generals on the record and things like that. So they're not, not as big, a little more recent, you know, and then the writing is a lot, I think more entertaining. Or in plain sight, yeah, just listen to sure. it because Ross yeah. is, you know, really fun to listen to. That, so. Yeah, he's fun to listen to his, you know, his little impersonations. But I kind of like having all the places, all of the different um, accounts in one book too, like the older ones like this. And I think, yeah, you really have to like to read because this is like real reading. Mm-hmm. It's not like quick paragraphs. It, it's just as the information, it's almost like he's just reporting what he's found, which is good to an extent. But like you said, people that our, you know, readers now want it to be quick. They want it to be 
Um, they don't want to get too much into the detail. It's kind of, I mean, it's sad in a way, but I get it. Um, get to the point. But yeah, I like it because it has everything in one spot. Um, if I wanted to go look up some of the more famous cases quickly, I could easily grab this book and just like find it to show somebody, if that makes any sense. So like a reference book almost. Yeah. Um, I, you know, again, like Richard, I remember Richard saying, Richard Dolan, that is, that this was his most commonly referenced book. And he actually, he actually, as I recall, he had at least three copies of it. And he, like, he works in his basement and he also works on his upper floor. And he had like one on, on the bottom <laughs> or two on the bottom and one on the top, which shows you how, you know, how much he ran to it. Another thing along the lines of the reference book is that, you know, we're talking about pre-internet, largely pre-internet material. And so these appendices, appendices like these, or at the end of Passport to Magonia, for example, um, you know, which has kind of pre-World War II case history, um, for the most part, uh, that were culled from newspapers and things like that, that Jacques found, you know, that is was kind of like how information trafficked before the internet among ufologists and people that were really following the field. You know, if they didn't have, if the, if it wasn't in, in the meat of the book, the appendices were a way to get that out. And so when you're looking back here, you know, you've got the hotel memo and you've got, you've got other big memos back here. And for a lot of people, and then some like criminally blacked out pages, <laughs> but, but um, you know, I'll, in those days, that might have been the only way that you would encounter those kinds of documents, you know, before the land of Sean Rosh and before the land of Isaac, <laughs> Isaac Coy or Keith Bassfield or John Greenwald or whoever you want to go to in terms of docs. It's a great point. I mean, that yeah. was like your, makes your little paper Google UFO reference book. <laughs> I think Nathan makes a good point, too. Maybe it's not the, the best first book to get into if you're interested to dip your toes in the water, maybe in plain sight. But I think it's uh, your first good deep dive book. Like if you, if you said, OK, I'm going to start learning stuff. I'm ready. Yeah, then you can do it. I'm serious right now to read. I kind of had that mentality too for a minute. I was like, when I was reading, I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down tonight and I'm really going to get into this book. And like, I used to do that, but it's so easy to just research on your phone now or like go watch one of Sean's videos or go to his little document website that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger or, you know, all the document websites. But yeah, sorry, Vinny, I cut you off. It's all good. I was just going to say the good thing that I did find about it is, and for someone maybe who is a bit newer coming into it is, you can read all of that and find the one thing or a couple of things that really stand out to you. Then you can go off in that direction. Someone else might go off in that direction. So it gives that baseline for choosing your area to go to next. And it really does stand up uh, to that, you know, for me. For the nerds around in the sort of late in the 80s, like me, who were like reading every kind of UFO book they could get their hands on from the library or from the bookstore, then this was a revelation because of just how big it was and how much information was in it and what the time it would take you to read it. It was never ending. Whereas other books, you know, you were lucky if you got 150 pages. Sometimes if you were really lucky, two, 200 pages from a book, but a lot of it was padded out with just kind of theories and there wasn't much meat to the books. So it wasn't the <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, but just generally, there was a lot of kind of just talk about, or oh, it might be this, it might be that, and and going off at tangents. Whereas this actually did stick to what it was advertising. It was a book about UFOs, and for me, when I remember reading it for the first time, 
Um, I got it out of the libraries in hard in hardback first of all, and then bought my own paperback copy when it was released about three or four years later. But I remember just having, as you said, Priscilla, having to sit down and remember to say, "Yeah, I need this time to sit and do it justice. I can't just like do five minutes here, five minutes there. I'll lose track of it. I had to actually spend like an hour a night or something going through it until I was finished." But because you say it was behind between uh, before the internet you had the time you know that was what you did back then is what i you know i did all through the, the late 70s and, and, and 19, all the way through the 1980s and even halfway through the 90s um even dial-up you know, when you had dial-up internet you didn't have the access to this kind of information uh, to your fingertips so it was it was what people did um and that's probably why it was so popular because it came along before that sort of you know that so those circumstances ended uh, but yeah, it was it was a re it was a revelation because it was just so much information that you'd never seen in one particular title before. It was probably yeah, we take that for granted now. We take yeah. that for granted because yeah. it's information everywhere. You can you can get it so easily, but I think we need it because you know people don't have books like this anymore. Aside from the ones you've been writing, Graham, like like people don't write thick books anymore with <laughs> just tons of detail, and I love it. I, I will say I'm that the, your uh, writing's more entertaining than his, though. So. I'm the, am I the 21st century Tim Good? <laughs> well, depending on you. Definitely yeah. more <laughs> Was it harder, Graham, to like verify stuff then? Though, like you, you get that book, you read, look at some of the documents in the back. Like, for instance, now if you know you'll post something on Twitter, people go, "What is your source?" Where did yeah. you get it? And well, I understand I that, that, but like back then, like I got that the other day with the OSI document I put on Twitter that somebody oh, said, that's my fault. What, yeah. what, "What's the number and file reference of this?" Uh, <laughs> witness citizen Google Drive folder fifteen district. 15. Yeah, but but I yeah. mean, like, how are, they from, to, yeah. how are you supposed to know? Like, you know, you can't go on CIA FOIA and I'm going to check this out. You know, you. How would you verify that stuff? I suppose back then you were that sort of majestic club got popular. Yeah, you were yeah. you were literally trusting people back then because it was yeah. in a book. Therefore, it must be true. And mm -hmm. until I knew better, when I was you know sort of in, in my early teens when I first started, and when about nine from about nine till 13, 14, when I was starting to read things like this, everything I read, I, I just it, it, it was true because it was in a book. But then when you start having a bit more critical thinking skills, then you started you know questioning and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. and you had other sources of information, other magazines, other books to compare it against. Mm. If you notice in the back all the, all the documents, he actually goes quite large on MJ twelve because yeah. it was a new thing then. It was you know yeah. the, the envelope that was. Passed, passed under Jimmy Sandera's um, under his door with this Manila envelope with all these documents in that had been photocopied. They weren't originals; they were photocopies. So you can't even te uh, you know, test the, the source documents. And yet, everybody back then was falling over themselves to go, "Yeah, these are true because they're just so wonderful." And they tell the story <laughs> that everybody so wants to hear about the, the, the background to UFOs, except might be all bollocks really so you know um <laughs> to, to, to want of a better expression um but unfortunately back then he did buy into it uh you know, big time um and i don't think he was ever swayed from that um certainly the subsequent books i read i don't think it was it was any ever crit any criticism of mj12 it just seemed to be a, a done deal it was it was accepted but a lot of people back then you know sort of fell for it as well so uh, and and i don't know how many people now still buy into that being completely 100% genuine. Yeah, I, I think some people, and I've been purposely staying away from them, mm -hmm. you Me know, too. because I know it'd be an endless trap for myself, but 
from what I hear from other people who have been researching a lot longer than I have, there seems to be maybe like two or three real documents in there, possibly, and the rest is um, probably fake. But, you know, how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed yeah. to know about finding corroborating right. evidence? You know? They're so Speaking old. Of- you know, the documents are so old. Like, they just have been submitted to this place, this one place, and you're like, it's it's hard to know, like, what to trust when you're reading it, even if it's off of, you know, a government website with a bunch of documents well a lot of it makes sense like the wilbur smith memo i mean like that kind of hints that maybe some of the majestic 12 stuff could be accurate you know mm-hmm. um and that's an official memo so i don't know it's tough yeah one interesting thing i got i mean i think i won't mention who this was but i got a really interesting phone call a little while back and it was about and it was after we announced that we were doing this book and it was somebody that would be in kind of a position to have a lot of information. And they were pointing out that the UK version of this book and the US version of it have a a couple. That's right. A couple (laughs) key key differences. And one of those key differences is um, uh, one of the docs that's uh, associated with Bob Lazar, who of course, back in the late eighties was, was a, a new thing in terms of, and that's one another notable thing here, along with the MJ12 docs and stuff like that, that Tim Tim Good was one of the first people, along with George Knapp, of course, to really kind of historicize Bob Lazar and to kind of put him into the literature in a way. Um, but the, in this phone call, it's really interesting. So this doc was redacted in the U.S. version. I've got the U.S. version. I think I, I think oh, Mr. Indel well, has, oh, has wow. the U.K. version, right? I couldn't um, actually find but, it in the book. Yeah, no, apparently I, I, it's been, been redacted, but um, but apparently there's a Bob Lazar doc uh, doc in the back that has a, a supposedly Bob's social security number. Okay, the now hell? the weird th- the weird thing about that <laughs> is, of course, you're not supposed to publish social security numbers, so maybe that's why it was redacted. But this this person who shall remain nameless said, okay, that number, that social security number that Bob wrote on that doc is a very if you look into that social security number it's a fishy social security number that's been associated with several names and he wouldn't go any further and interesting i, was like, I got that it is really fascinating i got that's a different a really... story from phone call guy really <laughs> yeah what, what'd you what'd you get from phone call guy my phone call guy it said uh, something about um um like it was uh, office of navy intelligence Oh, so that should be O and I, but in the America version, like on the W two, it had to do with the W two. It didn't say O and I; it said like O N something else, which didn't exist. Right, so, and and know. and he he mentioned that as well to me, and so that that already may, makes it kind of a fishy doc. But the fact of well, the weird social the security number is, is kind of well, because you've got the U.S. version probably, right? Yeah, but I thought so, it was in both, but one was redacted, one was the one. Was anyway, the, so. I think um, we're just, I think the CIA is just trying to mix our brains up. Graham, <laughs> I'm I'm just <laughs> I haven't found it yet. Graham yeah. has yeah. the English, so yeah. I've got the English version, but I want to know who phone call guy is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, tell, tell me afterwards. It's, it's Jay and I just calling each other. Phone call guy shop. They're just calling yeah. each other. And in well, my version, guys. it's in Chinese. What? 
What page is that? I'm just kidding. We're all like looking around. I forgot it's that time of the 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 book club where Sean just starts messing with us. Yeah. Oh, no, it no, might actually, have to be a this first time edition. He is, he's bang on because there, there's the page in the book he's just showed you. So, now you're let's just showing everybody's. Off. Uh, let's start getting book recommendations um, written down because I write so. Oh, in terms of like 20th century ufology, like, or in terms of for next month, or what are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, next month. <laughs> but we, we can do the other things too if you want. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll I'll go in hard on flying saucer fever. Um, I uh, I'm about a hundred pages in. Um, the author's right here. He can pop quiz us. <laughs> about? Finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's about, um, it's about case history from 1950 to 1952. On. It's really fascinating. It goes into a lot of depths, um, and it's also like a nice, easy, breezy read at the same time. I like it a lot. I think Vinny, Vinny's got a request about that, though, haven't, haven't you, Vinny? I have. Um, <laughs> I, I said this before we came on air. I, I've i spoken to Graham about getting a signed copy because we're going to the Ancient Aliens conference at the end of June. So I was going to hold off so I can just pick it up off Graham with get it signed. I'll take my other one down to get signed. And my fear was that I would need to buy it before because it came up in book club. <laughs> so, you know, but hey, if I ha if it has to work that way, I'll just have to carry it with me to the conference. But uh, yeah, I'm All available right. to read it then. I'm putting it in. <laughs> <laughs> you can just get it signed when you get there if it gets fixed. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's all yeah, good. One. And he's not. Uh, and Vinny's not. And Vinny and I aren't going to be the only ones there. Apparently. Yeah, I'm going to be there. So. <laughs> And phone call guy. Oh, um, really? And phone call guy. <laughs> well, I'm, not, gonna be there? I'm not a speaker guy or anything. I'm just going to show up. So. Yeah, money in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Brings on me, boys. Good to see be good to meet you in, in real life. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Are you so really cool. going? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it, it just so happened dope. to be. I was going to, we were going to be there anyway. So uh, I didn't know about the dates. And then, you know, Vinny was like, these are the dates. So I was like, well, that's actually where, where I'm going to be in that part of the country at the same time. So we're just going to. That's so cool. Yeah. And you I'm get already jealous. No possibly as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Speaking of phone call guy. Anyway, I'm doing a, story. a UFO conference in my living room for the neighborhood kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making them pay 50 bucks, dude. Unseen <laughs> footage. Yeah, some footage. A talk never seen before. Mm -hmm. Johnny was complaining he couldn't come up with the money. I told him to talk to his mom. That's uncanny. You should, you should really see Sean's Sean's Giorgio Suclos outfit, his costume for Giorgio no. is really good though. Do you really have so, us? Yeah, yeah that's my Halloween costume. I love it. Real. <laughs> Can you just show up next month dressed as Giorgio? There's aliens on caves in the basement. <laughs> what? That meme that has a picture of him doing his alien thing, it's like it looks like a tanning salon blew up in this guy's face. Because <laughs> he's just like super tan in the picture and his hair sticking up. All right, Vinny, what's yours? I am I've done I've done this one before. I'm gonna do it again. It is unidentified anomalous phenomena. By my colleague, my mine and Graham's colleague, Adam Goldsack of UAP Media UK. Let's do it. <laughs> we've we've had it in there. I told him on there. I was like, 
I'm putting you in again. Um, we've been trying. <laughs> yeah, making that a plus two a for book. Adam's book for me as well. Yay! <laughs> Um, okay, I'm just start abbreviating it. <laughs> if, I, if I read a book, will we cover it? Yes. <laughs> I was going to ask you when your book's coming out. <laughs> All right. I'll I'll do it. You guys are just it'll just <laughs> I'm going to just load it with misinformation too, just to <laughs> see who buys what. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you would as well, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And then. On the Aztec crash, there's one thing no one's ever said, and it's that all the bodies had roller skates on. <laughs> Will it have glamour images in the middle? Jay's face is going to be the book, like a UFO yeah, has. I'm ready to illustrate it, Sean. Let's do it. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Except one. You know, Sean, friends. <laughs> you know, Sean, you said you were going to write a forward for one of my books. I might rescind that offer now. <laughs> <laughs> Rollerblades in it. Rollerblades. I'm not, I, I don't know if I can doubt the kind of what the, the certainty of the information that will be in this forward. I'm glad I'm writing this forward because I can finally tell you where the sport baseball came from. Well, it was in 1934. <laughs> Maui and Mugo came down with the I like how this is how every book club episode ends. We just Yeah, really that's why I got to start like 30 minutes yeah, early yeah. getting people's <laughs> I'm going to put my I have kids. I know again. how this works. <laughs> the identified flying objects, Dr. Michael Masters, I'll be the different guy, Ooh. but I like that everyone has something I'm already interested in reading, so it won't really bother me whatever we pick. And that one was unidentified. Identified. 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 That's right. Oh, man. Why are we reading about stuff that's already identified? Right? Come on. We figured it out. Um, <laughs> it's already identified now. Hey, I know so... what this is. Let me tell you. <laughs> Mike Bester is uh, a pretty cool guy. I had lunch with him at the uh, Houston conference. Here I we really, go. really enjoyed Nonchalant. Oh, I just so happened to like hang out with him. Yeah, we're uh, we're talking to him this week. So looking forward to the interview. Right I mean, if it's real. If it sounds like a humble brag, it can be levy. It can be kind of like <laughs> mitigated by the fact that we were both eating like pretty bad sandwiches at the time. Like they were like they were not bad, like unhealthy, or just like bad, like horrible. They just weren't the best. They were like Fish they were like cafeteria old. sandwiches, basically. I mean, it was nobody's fault. They were free, which was incredible. How but, dare uh, they do they were a not crappy sandwich? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm talking. I know it's a gift mm. horse in the mouth situation. I already regret it. Don't they know who you are? Nice and Jay, sloppy. I hate free sandwiches, King. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's my new thing. Yeah. My new. I hate free food. That's my new. Well, at least you've moved on from the cow. Cows. Cows. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything to break free of the cattle mutilation situation. Why do so I always put my foot in my mouth like five minutes before the end of the show? Having lunch with masters and you're too fancy for cafeterias. Anything else? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I did enough damage. All right, who's next? Sean, did you go yet? Uh, I'll pick uh, Encounter in Rendlesham Forest. Bye. Uh, Nick Pope, <laughs> Jim Burroughs, and Jim Peniston. Yeah. Oh, man. I wanted to hear Graham go off. No, I'm, no, 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 no. That's beyond me. That's that's behind me now. I'm, I'm good. Although I did He's see somebody mentioning the Glocker in the, in the chat, and then Ellie, and mm. Ellie did one. I saw it, that. It, yeah, somebody yeah. too. It's not about Pope, okay? 
It's about the no, story. No. <laughs> All right. I think Olaf is next. Yeah, I think I'm gonna take uh, the Dolan book again. Uh, uh, what what's it called? Uh, <laughs> okay. Aliens, uh, uh, alien agendas. Mm-hmm. Alien agendas. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I still haven't gone to read it, and cool. uh, so I so haven't read a Dolan book yet. Let me go. Good choice. It's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, All right. So everybody here went, and then we have Katie Helen's recommendation for next month. Uh, extraterrestrial by Avi Loeb. Ooh, oh, nice. Which I've been wanting to read, so I was like, cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, it, is, I thought we decided we were going to veto that one. <laughs> 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 no, we just had said that we would only do it if we had all had to listen to Avi reading the audio version. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be great. <laughs> All right, so they are all in the hats. Woo, and you have secrecy, but upside down. Hmm. <laughs> please be my book, please be my book. Please. All right. I've already read half of it. Please be my book. Please be my book. I know. I know. What it is, None guys. of these books are for Extraterrestrial pages, so. by Avi Loeb. Damn, all right. Yes. First all right. suggestion, Katie. You got it. Well done. All right. Um, now, what we haven't told Katie is the first one we pick gets thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> Says Sean. Sean, you, you like rigged it for like three months show, straight. So we read all of <laughs> That's true. Yes. I should be banned. <laughs> We could never. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Well, if we've got All a couple right. minutes, Priscilla, I wanted to give oh, folks a quick take on, uh, you know, the book does end sort of saying why why the secrets? Uh, you know, what what are folks uh, top level? I know that could be an entire two shows, but top level thoughts on why the secrecy? They don't want to admit they don't know what's happening. Exactly. It's been that for years, in my, in my opinion. They, they have a certain amount of knowledge, but it doesn't lead to understanding. And they've got pretty much as far as they can go with modern sort of technology in terms of trying to relate it to what we know already about, um, you know, the universe and, and physics and all the rest of it. Uh, and I think they're just waiting until our, our knowledge base increases to a point where we can actually start understanding it. Um, they'll probably just dust all, you know, if they do have any kind of retrieved craft or anything like that, they'll just dust it down every so often and say, right, can we, can we understand a bit more now? No. Okay. We'll go back a few years time. <laughs> and that's, I'm sure that's how that. it works. And because obviously countries around the world, especially powerful ones like America, Russia, China, et cetera, don't want to admit that they can't necessarily defend their citizens or defend their airspace or do anything about what's happening, then it's better just to keep, uh, to keep stumped and not say anything that might frighten people or panic people or panic the stock market or anything, you name it. And they just keep quiet because better not to admit weakness and just get on and just hope that nothing actually happens. Yeah. And I think what's frustrating as well is you still, you see the, the, all the military branches and the three letter agencies back then were all separate, like clinging onto their own little piece of the puzzle, not communicating, not talking. We still see that today. Maybe if we do get them all together, God forbid that ever happens, that that we might be able to just move a little bit further forward. Even if it's not the big picture, it's like a little step forward. But nope, we still don't get it. And I think, you know, that's why I guess we've got this new law and, you know, oversight committees now looking at it a bit more because it's like it really does need to to get to that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I think, uh, you know, 
Graham, uh, and, and Vinny, you're, you're obviously right to a certain extent, and you can see that in the documents. There's one document that I resort to and go back to all the time where it's uh, this Air Force guy, and he, he writes up some of the problem, and he goes, it's going to come to a time where the tail wigs the dog, so to speak, you know, because really what they were doing is they they didn't want to admit their vulnerabilities, right? It was It's impossible to be able to identify every single thing that flies over America and they knew it was impossible, you know, and they were afraid of the time when that would catch up to them, you know, whether it's, and I'm not saying because it's a UFO, but because there's meteorites, there's so many times that they have to say possibly or probably because they, they can't prove it. You know, like if somebody lets off a balloon here, there, there's so many instances where maybe it's this, maybe it's that we'll never know. And they can't admit that because that's a huge vulnerability. But then there's also instances where, um, you know that some people may know more than others. You know, the phenomenon has been admitted as real so many times since 1947, and you can't tell me that that there's not at least some group of people, you know, that were actually serious about this and maybe just, carp you know, like went to some hidden part of the government and worked hard on it, and nobody else knows, you know? And another thing that's, you know, I, I go to is uh, Colonel Colonel Corso and, you know, whatever you think of him, this what he said about, about this makes sense. He goes, the government is so big, if you leave it alone, it covers itself up, you know, <laughs> and and I think there's a lot of truth to that. There could be. And, you know, if I had to guess which all that's all I could do is that there is some sort of something somewhere that knows a lot more about this than probably our government, even maybe even the DOD, you know, um, whether that's like a Lockheed Martin or just like a breakaway civilization or something like that, or technology, like we've been hearing from Elizondo or Corbell, who knows, but I, I think there's probably more knowledge on this than, than we think, you know, but uh, maybe it's not where we would expect it to be, but that's, you know, just speculation, of course. Hmm. Or like, I, I always go back to what, I know people are like, oh, Team Lou Elizondo girl over here. But when he talked about, Ow! you know, when he talked about um, the somber feeling and maybe we're not the top of the food chain and they might know that. And like a lot of you said, the panic involved with some people. Like I keep going back to my friend too. Like, well, if, if UFOs are real and there's extraterrestrials, that means we're not God's most special children. And that's what her reasoning was. And she's somebody who doesn't want to know about all this stuff. Some people are just happy with service level, what they're told, they're happy. But can you imagine all the people that don't want to know about this stuff are terrified of it, finding out what Lou said, you know, um, we're not, we might not be the top of the food chain. And, and like just the fact that he said the somber truth behind it all. Um, yeah. We don't want it to be that, but it's definitely a possibility. Even if it is a breakaway civilization, thinking that like we thought we were alone this whole time and we're coexisting. Um, with these other beings that can do all this stuff um, with our, with our consciousness and with the physics that we don't understand yet. It's, a, <laughs> you know, Jay says cough national labs cough. Yeah. yeah. I saw that as well. in Katie's <laughs> comment with DOE, you know, my theories and, and speculation in the past has always been a small breakaway group, maybe from different areas coming together yeah. in this gray area that sits between military between the department of energy the dod that's just a select few that have no oversight anywhere 
don't answer to anybody. They are completely compartmentalized away from everything. Maybe it's programs within programs within programs. We've heard of that in the past. So it really could be anywhere with yeah. absolute yeah. no trail anywhere. Yeah, but the why Department the of Energy thing is no definitely answer, an interesting right? take. Yeah. Power they're trip. just kind of in the background, like not getting involved. You know what I mean? And it makes you wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all with every point here. I mean, one that's come through from pretty high level people is really the, the panic element, you know, and the unrest element. Um, and there's been really surprising people that I've heard that really believe that in terms of people that we think of as kind of pillars of the community or pillars of, of, of kind of government disclosure or something like that, that we'll privately talk about, you know, well, we still have to do this whole kind of like rollout over a period of years because there is this element where we're concerned about this. And all they have to do is like point at, at how effed up the, the rest of, of civilization is right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it's a perfectly good excuse all the time. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a war. We can't do it right now. It's like there's yeah. always a war, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, things are burning down. The environment's collapsing. It's always collapsing, you know. Right. And and so there's that element that 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 kind of boggles the mind and frustrates. But it's also you know there is an element of that that's somewhat understandable. And at the same time, there's an element where ripping ripping the bandaid off um, is what we always want. You know, and and if we, you know, so much of us, so many of us have had episodes of ontological shock where we're just like, oh, my God, the world is different than I thought it was. And it's hard and it's hard to deal with. But, you know, I still put on my shoes every day, you know, and and people can survive. You know, it's it's all right. Maybe maybe we'll just have to have a week where nobody shows up to work. <laughs> yeah. Everybody you know, get a week off. Uh, extraterrestrials are will or we have a breakaway civilization. Yeah, hum right. humans adapt to all types of like situations we can live in space you know given enough kind of resources and, and, and effort we can live at the bottom of the sea with the same kind of you know parameters we live in the hot countries we live in cold countries wet dry all the rest of it we're quite an adaptable species we would get over the culture shock we mm -hmm. might need people to help us through it but we'd certainly get over it we would certainly adapt to whatever it brings and what does that mean right does that mean like if they if they prove and, and bring hard evidence and say okay this stuff is real look at this video and this data does that mean all of a sudden we're like walking with these things to work now or they're our boss or they're driving the 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 buses and stuff right. no like i mean nope. it's still really no different than it is now other than this right. additional information right as far as we know I guess you know. admitting it, admitting it's real. There's a real phenomenon on the behalf of governments doesn't necessarily mean that you know the things are going to appear on the White House lawn. Right. It, it could just be the same as exactly what the same what we've got now. That mm -hmm. they keep popping up different places, different times to different people, and not necessarily yeah. everybody. But at least everybody now knows there is something going on, and actually people might look out more than they do already, or recognize things that they don't necessarily recognize uh, at the moment. So that might be just a good thing. A lot more people reporting planes. That's for sure. Yeah, fair mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. They don't want to do that. <laughs> I saw two lights blinking. I'm sure that is, did you check your flight radar? No. Were the red, were the red and <laughs> green? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. But a part of me also thinks like if they're holding on to the secrecy for so long, they must have some sort of way of subduing maybe the the larger 
um, effort that these other beings could initiate if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Like they can only get away with hiding it like they do because they're able to subdue some part of it somehow, maybe. You know, like maybe once that's overtaken and they can't hide it anymore. Like if we're really getting reports every you know, every week. And, and so by like our Navy ships, like Elizondo said the other day, like that to me, it seems like it would be getting to the point of where like, um, you better admit this before, like they admit it themselves <laughs> kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. because it could only go so long where these things are being visited before it's like either, you know, Navy men or whatever, just saying like, Frick you guys! Like we're going through this stuff. I'm I'm telling people. I'm showing people these videos. Or, you know, uh, we'll just start seeing a lot more of them in other areas than sensitive airspace, eventually. But you know, it's, it's just speculation. That's all. Mm -hmm. All this stuff is. That's the fun part. We get to exercise our imaginative brain. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um. I think, you know, uh, I know that we're kind of in overtime here. I was reading um, Jeff Kripal earlier for my other book club, which starts at three in 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, we're covering Authors of the Impossible and the private book club. on and, and, um, and I was reading about how a lot of what was inspiring, like the London Society of Psychical Research, which was doing like did really, really admirable work in the 1880s through well, for, for many decades in terms of like debunking or, or finding um, evidence for mediums, for you know, like within spiritualism, within paranormal research, poltergeist, all sorts of, all sorts of paranormal uh, phenomena. And, um, and Frederick Myers, who was one of the, the heads of, of, of that was really inspired by, by um, the detection of radioactivity. And it really kind of propelled a lot of his thinking at the time in terms of like that there could be an unseen realm that we don't see, that we that we can't touch, that our senses aren't attuned to, um, but it's right there and it can be incredibly detrimental to our health or really key and have very serious physical effects. And of course, there's a huge parallel here in terms of in terms of the phenomenon when it comes to uap and you know the dirts that came out and things like that in terms of of physical effects on people and so you know at the same time you know when we talk about why now why is why is the rollout happening now and things like that i part of me really feels that that there's something to the the commonly held suspicion that we're really on the verge of being able to detect you know, something that's right, practically right in front of our eyes. Um, and that we might be in a much richer atmosphere than what we suspect. And, you know, um, it's a guess, you know, I don't have anything to really. Do you ever smell that part, but nobody's around? That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Ghost parts. Man. It all comes down to ghost parts. Thanks, Sean. Incredible. Yeah. No, I, I agree, Jay. I, I think so intelligent. A, Here comes the kid. You know, it's yeah. this, it's convergence of worldview. Like, there's this point at which we have to, as a, as a world, you know, kind of reach a, a an inflection where our understanding of reality is uh, is is different enough. To, to make space for whatever this actually is. Um, and until that moment comes, uh, we will never accept it. 
you know, so I think there is this, um, you know, we talk about slow roll uh, disclosure, but, you know, it just kind of has to be that way. And it, it, but it's happening in a, it's happening in a reciprocal fashion, you know, so there, there are disclosure bits that happen and then that is reciprocated in the public with other experience. Oh, I've had that experience, you know, or mm -hmm. I know someone's had that experience. Let me add that to this, to this pile in the room called disclosure. And the government says, oh, you've had that experience. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we're also studying this. And then they say, oh yeah, well, actually I know someone who's had that. So you can see it becomes a collaborative exercise, which it pretty much has to be for the world to come along. We do all need to be participating in what, whatever this happens to be, to be, to be ready to accept it. Um, and I also think that it's going to be a situation where it's one of those points in history where it's, it's literally a paradigm shift. Like it's a, it's such a change in the way we think about everything that you can, you can put it on the calendar, you know, it's before this and after this and the way in which we uh, conduct ourselves or relate with each other, view the AC, cosmos. AC, yeah. AD. yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it will be like that. And it'll usher in all kinds of new, new, new change in the process, which would be very exciting, but also very disruptive. Yeah. I always think like nobody will believe anything that comes along until they have a personal experience with it. Like whether it's yeah. data, video or whatever, people will say it's fake or made up till the cows come home, you know, no matter what, until they see it, touch it or smell it or it affects their consciousness. Somehow, <laughs> it could all be denial, but you know, yeah. Specific well, even if a clear picture showed up, nobody would believe it, you know, because of all of our imaging capabilities now, like with the you don't, special. You don't know what it really looks like, right? Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's my thing. Um, Katie had a comment for what Jay was saying. Um, she said she has, you know, she's a epidemiologist. So it's the body has to have some sort of response to this, especially on an immunological level, because it's just so subtle. Do you know what I mean? But not, I don't know how people would test for that so quickly, um, especially if you're like, I had an experience. You can't exactly call your doctor and be like, hey, I had an experience. Can you test my, you know, it's blood without a doctor calling it in? COVID. But there are cases out there that you can look at historically when it comes to being studied um, medically uh, going back many years. Look, I think it was the Falcon Lake in Canada incident. Was that 67? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot of studies done on, on the – the people involved in that yeah. uh, and a lot since then as well so it is out there i think too Cash many Landrum. times Cash Cash Landrum. And, yeah. yeah so it's out there maybe there's not that much data but it you know you can certainly maybe start piecing little puzzles together and absolutely a bigger picture if, if you're focusing on the kind of medical side of things it's there is some information available I mean, that's what COVID is. There's no real COVID. They're just testing. They, they want to see how well the tests do when people experience things. He so, said the C word. This episode is getting taken out. They're really experience or tests. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. It's like you can't even imagine what things are going to be like. And I always say, like, uh, when I ask my dad or whatever, I'm like, did you ever imagine that? You know, we'd have things like cell phones and, and be able to talk to people online. Could Did you ever even think for one second when you were my age that that could be a, a thing? No, <laughs> no. Like, so whatever we even, a lot of us try to think of what it could be like, we're not going to even be able to guess. 
you know, it's going to be something yeah. totally different in a lot of ways, maybe some ways, not so much, but you know, space odyssey, even 2001, like the guy had, it was FaceTiming his daughter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? That's pretty that, good. That, that's, that's some intuition right there, you know, foresight, but um, you know, so that kind of goes against the point I was making, but you know, it's probably a little of both knowing and not knowing what it's going to be like. Olaf, do you have any closing remarks or anything to add to what everybody was just saying? No, I'm just agreeing and getting whiplash from nodding. Uh, <laughs> but like, it, it's, it's so nice to just hear everyone riff, riff of each other. Like it, I can tell that you're all podcast hosts. Like it's, um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm the odd one out, but I, 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 I'm, I'm growing into my, my role uh, to talk to people like this. Uh, like for me, I just had to snap out of it and remind myself that I'm not actually just looking at the show. I'm, <laughs> I'm on it, so I should remember that, uh, you know. But. But uh, yeah, so well, just know that your opinion is is valued just as yes. much as everybody else, especially the wonderful, beautiful artists you are. You're gonna have so much insight yeah. that you know none yeah. of us would uh, think of, just like everybody else. You know, we're each individuals. Yeah. So. Thanks. And we man. love having you, even if you don't want to talk. We still love having you. <laughs> it's good to oh, see your face, though. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I'm talking about farts, dude. So you can say whatever you want. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sean, Sean is like really literally working off the page. Setting sure. the bar low. So yeah. everyone can just waltz in. Low. It's, a, it's underground. <laughs> oh, that's going too far. <laughs> never, never too far for Crane. But yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming. Um, I, like we said, we are reading next month Extraterrestrial by Avi Loeb. And I want to try to keep it consistently like the last Saturday of the month, if that works for everybody, um, just so we have like a day. You know what I mean? And you can get with me on that later, and I'll announce it, and I'll get that information to Katie as well. And what's everybody have going on? What's going on for everybody next? You want to talk about like what you have? Are, are we talking about the last Saturday of May now, or are we, are we <laughs> jumping to June? Whatever you guys we're... think. I'm open. Um, it's three weeks away is the last Saturday yeah. in Do we want to do the May. first Saturday of June? Uh, mm. I'm going to be away Ooh. that weekend. Yeah. I'm going to be away that weekend, well. too. So I what about... I'm going to be in my head. <laughs> we know. I mean, we can we'll coordinate this <laughs> offline, right? But it'll be... Um, <laughs> this. No. Yeah, we'll work um, on it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we can soon. talk yeah. later. Let's um, get the crowds in. So we gotta get Avi like... in here too, right? He's gotta show up so we can. Oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah. who's gonna yeah. get Avi? <laughs> I can speak to Avi. No, um, let me just think. Yeah, depending okay. on the date, obviously, because well, I know he's you... busy up up until the end of May. He's pretty much not doing how, any appearances. How, we talked before the show about having a, a different type of show uh, for give people a break. Why don't we schedule it for the end of June and then have a little interim show in between? And we'll talk no, about I think that's things. a good idea. That's a good that idea. That sounds super fun. That sounds yeah. great. We can invite some other people in as well. We can do live from Absolutely. Blackpool. Live from Blackpool. Oh, <laughs> all right. With Sukulos. That sounds, like that sounds oh awesome. <laughs> 
I don't know why I freak out every time somebody says his name. He's just, <laughs> just a big personality. So, yeah, yeah we'll talk about dates and get them out to everybody. And uh, does anybody want to talk about any events they have coming up or shows coming up? I got a greatest sits coming out later today. Oh, All yeah. Right. So I'm looking forward to that. For that. About yeah. an hour and a half from my first year of uh, interviews. A little, the longest clips, probably like six minutes, but all of them are kind of just like short little clips from all the different people that I've talked with. I think I have one with everyone here except for Olaf because he's never been on the show. But, but yeah, we'll so fix that <laughs> eventually. That'd be great. Yeah. But, you know, so I think uh, hopefully people enjoy that. So, um, you know, a year doing this, and I feel like I've I've talked to so many different people, and, and um, I I can't say if I've grown or have degressed. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it feels like a lot of time has passed, and I'm so thankful to to meet people like yourself and be in this position. So, um, and yeah, it's been a year, so it's kind of somewhat of you've a done so much, and you've done myself. so much. So, absolutely, you've yeah. done some great work. You've you've really done a lot. It's about same for me with the one year. Uh, I think it's about the, the uh, one year exactly for my first experience or illustration that I got yeah. through Twitter. So that's about the time when I started to engage engage with all this. Wow. And, and I'm I'm so glad that we we got the date for for later this summer because uh, in three weeks I'm moving to Stockholm and wow. I'm gonna oh. spin spend the whole summer there because i have uh, multiple uh, gallery bookings and like exhibitions excellent so very cool i i will be uploading some more information about that but uh, you'll you'll see me updating as we go along on that journey as well well congratulations that's really cool thank you (laughs) yeah we're doing uh dr michael masters on the 12th uh we've got lou elizondo next week on the 18th or so the week after next um a lot of things coming up for us excited about it uh what have i got i've got um caroline corey chris leto randall nickerson and then i've got my science panel with gary nolan michael masters rich hoffman and kevin knuth then i've got david Marler. <laughs> uh yeah so lots coming up so just follow Vinny. i have his information <laughs> um yeah all these guys are in the description so if you need to follow them Speaking of of, um, Dave Marler, um, yeah, he speaks to uh, Dave Partridge and myself on the uh, Unidentified Aerial podcast, which uh, Andy's putting together and should be out next week sometime. So we're talking about something from the 1940s, so you'll have to listen in to find out exactly what it's about. Nice. Excited. That's going to be very cool. I've got a... I've got a few Experience Group Roundtable episodes in the can that'll probably be coming out in the next week or 10 days. But other than that, I've been building a brand new interface for the Experience Group site altogether, which is going, it's like way more robust. It's crazy. It's a huge project. And I'm kind of surprised I haven't had an aneurysm about it already. (laughs) Um, but uh, but that's it's it's a wonky project, but it's going to be awesome, and so I'm looking forward to what that'll mean for the community in the months and years to come. It'll pr- provide like a really nice foundation. So that's anyway, awesome. that, that's my big project for the next couple months for sure. What about you, Priscilla? Oh, tonight, um, tonight I have Dockside Media coming on to talk about their latest documentary, and that that's at nine Eastern, and then. I don't think I have anything going on this next week, um, which I might keep it that way because I had a consolation. 
um, just because uh, trying to get everything completely better here and getting ready to get floors ripped up out of my house. So, cool. yeah, I think I might keep this week quiet. Wait. But I will definitely be following all your work because there's some really good stuff happening. That's right. your house? You live in space? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get new space That's flooring. Right. That's right. So, <laughs> all in that. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be like one it. of those uh, glass bottom boats. There you go. Uh, oh my God. I can never walk on those. Floor. I'm like a cat. I'm like, uh, I'm afraid to step on them, even though I know it's glass. <laughs> like, there's these grown men walking across. I'm like, I'm going to bust through them. I just know it. Like, <laughs> Stop looking at Earth and replace that floor panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, new floor panels in the spaceship, guys. So, cool. Well, thanks, thanks to everybody in the chat. Yes, yeah. thanks yeah. everybody for, for coming and your support, and thanks for everybody in the panel for coming and your support. And I will see everybody later on and throughout the week. If you're listening on Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you so much. If you're watching now later or somewhere else, thank you so much as well. Have a good one. Bye. See you soon, everybody. Good night.